All right, roll for initiative. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on the road again. Tabletop, lock, motion, everything in between. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your RPG. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you. We just have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your role-playing game. Because the only way to win a role-playing game is, is to, to have, have fun. fun. I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie the Legend. Hello. And Jason the Favorite's not here. <laughs> <sighs> Jason is socially isolating at the beach. <laughs> but here we are. We've got a good yeah. show, though. We do. Anyway, um, we have a Patreon. You can uh, go to patreon.com slash podcast and maybe uh, commit to, to help keep the show on the air. It pays for our, our serving fees and our server fees and our... Uh, it pay, it's our servant fees. What? <laughs> I don't know. But it, it pays for our web hosting and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Uh, and if you give it a high enough level, the wizard level, <laughs> you can actually get a shout out on the podcast or you can get free free stuff, postcards. Uh, as soon as we can get Jason to autograph the postcards, they are the season three postcards about to go out. I'm super excited yeah, about them. Yeah, and all that stuff. So anyway, tell us who are our patrons. So we have Cameron, my favorite. Oh, we have Cameron. Joe Hines with Lost Colonies. Hello, Joe. We have Ryan Galliato with Byways LARP. Mm-hmm. We have Ryan Martin, who has no food. Oh, poor I mean, Ryan. there's been no food posted anyway. So hungry. I'm so hungry. We have Drew Stevens and we have Salim Halabi. There you go. Yeah. We have Josh Heath with mm-hmm. Werewolf the Podcast. We like Josh. Yeah, he's okay. We should have him on the show sometime. Maybe that might be a good idea. We have Joel Eastland. Mm-hmm. And what about Noah Coltrip? Glad you asked. This week. Noah Coltrip has went to Mole Hill in Dayton, Virginia. Oh my. This is one of the newest and perhaps last operational volcanoes on the eastern seaboard. What? what? Mole Hill, in fact, is one of the only two volcanoes in Virginia <laughs> and was la- last active just a short 47 million years ago. It's composed of basalt. Mole Hill is dated back to the Eocene epoch of the Paleogene era. It's rounded, isolated mountain covered in trees, which lays in an otherwise boring, flat valley. Though 47 million years is still a really long time, Mole Hill is still scientifically active, and it's a great place to spend the day. You won't know if it's going to explode until it does, but you'll have the volcano all to yourself because it's not very popular with the tourists. Anyone else? Uh, we have our patron saint of on a roll, which is Sarah. Sarah. Well, if you'd like to shout, have a shout out on the podcast, we'd love to give you one. Mm-hmm. We'd also like to send you some free stuff. You can go to patreon.com slash on a roll podcast. Yes. So nothing is really new with us. So we're going to kind of skip the whole like what you up to section because our show's just a little bit long today. Well, hopefully. I'm from the future. <laughs> All right, let's go to combat rounds.
Welcome to Combat Rounds. You couldn't see it at home, but everyone on the Zoom call today was dancing. We did. It was a dance party. It was super exciting. Uh, so we are joined today by the illustrious, and by that I just mean uh, I'm drawn to him. Uh, <laughs> well, <Josh> <laughs> whoa. Hey. We're joined by Josh Heath. Uh, he is the host of Werewolf the Podcast, and he is also with High Level Games. And he's an old friend of the show, has been around before. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me. I am always thrilled to hang out with you guys and chat and talk about games and life in general. So Sweet. happy to be here. Yeah. We are going to talk today. The reason we have Josh on is because we're going to talk about Werewolf 5th Edition. But, what? but not the real Werewolf 5th Edition. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you mean? So we've decided to uh, take a look at Werewolf the Apocalypse and decide, well, if we were in charge of making <laughs> Werewolf. Cause, so here's the thing is, Carrie and I and Josh, the, this is like the biggest Werewolf fans that I know are the three of us. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it, it was our bread and butter and our fang and claw. And so we thought, I thought, let's see if we were in charge of W5, what would we do with it? So what would you do with it? I'd probably not call it W5. <laughs> Maybe WW5. Like, like I, I don't know. W5 is always weird to me. V5 is weird. I think, V5 but. at least rolls off the tongue. W5 always feels like I'm, it's like a tax form. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does sound like a tax form. It's funny when I write it, I'm fine with it. When I say it out loud, which yeah. I don't think I've ever done, mm -hmm. W5 sounds ridiculous. I yeah. will admit that yeah. sounds weird. Um, if we were creating Werewolf 5th Edition, one of the things that we would be beholden to is, is to model it a little bit after Vampire's 5th Edition. Uh, because White Wolf products have historically always been just a teeny tiny bit of a cookie cutter universe. Teeny tiny? Yeah, being gentle. Okay. One of the big, I think the big approach hurdles from a mechanic standpoint, before we get into genre, which will be the bulk of this mm -hmm. show, uh, is, is what do you do with the blood and hunger rules that are so famous? You know, it, it is the, um, I don't know. It's the, the marquee element of vampire fifth edition, uh, love it or hate it. You know, it's the thing, uh, the feature. So, yes. So what, how do you do that? What do you even, well, I mean, rage, blood equals rage and in, in from vampire to werewolf, but you're not hungry for anger. Are right? you, are you, <laughs> but your, your anger builds up in a really similar way that your hunger does. So mechanically, I think it works sim like it can work similarly. Just the explanation for what it is and what it does changes instead of it building your hunger building up you're just slowly getting more and more angry as you're activating more and more your powers or having bad things happen to you or whatever it is so what you're saying is the rage wouldn't be considered a good thing no it's not, not like all. it's it's not like you know oh let's go look at the moon and gain some rage so we can go spend it it's like i'm so angry now well this is one of those weird things about the werewolf genre is rage good or bad yeah it's both because from a mechanic standpoint, uh, it, it's kind of a flaw from a mechanical standpoint. It, historically, rage is nothing more than a PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. You know, you yep. have it on your sheet. It resets every game. You mark it off to power your goods. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but from a from a genre standpoint, it was always supposed to be at least a little bad. 
but it was bad in a way that nobody was really interested in role playing. Which is pretty similar to Blood. In the, <laughs> in earlier vampire editions, yeah. people didn't want to play out feeding or the hunger. They just kind of were like, yeah, this is a resource I need to manage. And that was it. <laughs> they were all like, I th- I'm a sexy vampire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying, though, is that maybe instead of hunger building, maybe you, you call hunger anger, right? And so you're mm-hmm. building anger. And then when your anger reaches a certain level, then you receive uh, a blood point or whatever, which would be the rage point. Well, you'd get the rage die like you're getting in, in V5. You're getting your dice are being slowly replaced by blood in that system or right. hunger, I, I guess. So you could just say rage and your ra- your dice slowly get swapped out for rage dice, which do help you when you get a 10 on them it becomes a messy critical in the v5 system in a w5 system i think it would cause extra damage or do extra stuff it's just also has the potential to be really really bad if you roll a botch right what are you laughing at <laughs> you said messy and i just, I just saw messy anger and it's like oh no Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the terminology in fifth edition is interesting. It's not bad. It's just, it certainly has Flavor? lots of jokes. Right. Flavor? Like how, how much play have you done with fifth edition? Have you played or ran it? So I ran five games of it at Gen Con during the playtest timeframe. Right. And then I've played it once since then in its final form which is a weird way of saying it. But, <laughs> it has ascended. Yeah. Pokemon. Yeah, it's like uh, a Final Fantasy villain. But um, <laughs> I think it is mechanically a really, really good system. Right. So I noticed, though, that you didn't say that you loved what they did with the genre. So- <laughs> no, I have some issues with the genre. Well, of, of I, I like the genre changes, but as a fan, I think some of it changed so drastically that I'm like, I don't know if it hit the mark they were going for. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second, and it not even necessarily in the terms of what we liked or didn't like, uh, but you know when you have a game and you go from one edition to another, you have you have two choices. You do one of two things. You either move like uh, so, Vampire Second Edition moved to Vampire Second Edition Revised, which they now say is third edition but that's not what they called it so but it went from uh you know second edition to revised and when they did that all they really did was update the mechanics a little bit to fix uh, it was essentially fixing errata uh and then they also moved the timeline of the meta story a little bit right um and basically they were just continuing on with what they did the other option you have is more like what dungeons and dragons does with most of their editions when you go from like third edition to fourth edition or fourth edition to fifth edition, huge changes. Uh, and when you do that, like when you make that choice, you're essentially saying we're pressing this reset button and the entire thing is now a brand new thing in, in the feel and genre of what we used to I, have. I always imagine the people writing the book, when you get a new book where they just kind of hit the reset button, they're like, erase, erase, erase. <laughs> because that's what it feels like. It's like, that was good, but this is more, this is different, you know? Right. And um, yeah. And one of the weird things about V5 is it feels like they tried to do both. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is they did both. And I think that is a legitimate way to do a completely new edition. There are some examples of that, like Traveler has done that, where it's oh, like, that's right. Sam, this is a completely new thing, but it also has threads of the old thing, but the mechanics are completely different. And you can do that, but you're going to alienate some people when you do both of them. Well, it's it's probably the hardest to do. Uh, it, and, you know, that's kind of what they did when uh, it's now it's now Chronicles of Darkness. But when they created New World of Darkness and they did vamp, they went from Vampire uh, the Masquerade to Vampire the Requiem. Uh, it was kind of the same thing. Uh, and what happened back then was you had uh, you had half of half of your fans were were alienated because it wasn't enough like the old system and and then half of your new fans couldn't get on board because it was too much like the old system and and you ended up with a quarter of the fans yeah it was just a bizarre thing thankfully that has evolved into something that's pretty cool but um it was a challenge it was a big challenge and i think that's a fair comparison and the good thing is, is you can grow out of that and create this new fan base for it. Like Chronicles of Darkness has a huge fan base. Right. That's really invested. I think with V5, you will have that transition as we go a little bit farther and more books come out for it, where there will be a solid fan base that this is the only edition they've played and or they have played older editions, but they're really like, no, this works better for me. I'm cool with the themes and ideas in this game. I think that'll be okay. We'll just It'll just take us a bit to get there. So I think that because that's the decision they made with with Vampire 5th edition, we as as imagineers right now, we're probably <laughs> we should probably take that same approach as we look at at what would we do with Werewolf 5th edition is some sort of uh mishmash of the old and whatever we want. <laughs> All right. I'm good with whatever we want. I've got that covered. <laughs> Yeah, All right. it's keeping any of that old stuff that's going to be the hardest thing for me, I think. Well, then why don't we just start by talking about the old stuff? Because right out the gate, uh, it, some of it's pretty problematic. So you have, what, 13, 13-ish tribes, uh, and almost every one of them is either a cultural appropriation or is made up of some sort of stereotype or is made up of some sort of ism, like a sexism or a racism or a classism. Uh, and so you end up with basically, it's like 13 uh, problems. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 13 plus problems. Cause there are lots of extinct problems as well. Right. Oh, yeah. And then, and then problems that sometimes count and sometimes don't like stargazers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which edition. And then right? you'll decide, is that an issue or not? Yeah. Uh, so what do you, how do you even, gosh, how do we even approach that? I think you've got to do one of two things. You either need to lean into the culture part and get the cultures right and get people that are from those cultures to write about the cultures in play or do what they did with Werewolf the Forsaken and completely divest culture from Garu society or werewolf society. You've got to do one of those two things. And it's the only way to do it. Now, do you make that decision across the board or by tribe? I think you've got to do it across the board-ish. Like some of the tribes are less problematic. You can do different things with them. For example, you don't necessarily need a Greek person to write the Black Fury tribe. 
but you should probably have a woman write the Black Fury tribe. And I think with the tribes like the Silver Fangs and things like that, you don't necessarily need to connect them to one culture because they've always always been connected to a couple of different cultures. Right. But you at least need to be consistent about what cultures they are connected. So I actually disagree Ooh. with what you said, Josh. I, yeah, let's fight. No, I think that the way to deal with this is that we acknowledge. Because as soon as you rewrite all of the tribes, if, if that's, you know, what was like, that is completely taking out all the flavor, good and bad. And then you're going to have to try to cherry pick and pull out some of the good stuff to keep some of your old fans happy and all that. I think it's way more of an interesting story and it's, it kind of enables the book and the players to move forward together by having the story that is moved forward in the book be about the tribes going, Oh, wow. Like we're get a Fenris and we're kind of being racist here. Maybe we should stop, you know? And I know that they had started that in some of the later books of werewolf, but maybe it needs to be a widespread over all of the tribes. All of the issues that all of these tribes have, maybe they need to come to head. Maybe that's the thing that pushes the story forward that changes them all. Like, See, but, that, that's a good meta plot idea. Right. There's an event that happens that drives all of the tribes to stop for 10 seconds and actually introspectively look at themselves. Okay, you sold me on that idea, Gary. So, absolutely so I, I, ha I have, I also know how we do that. Well, can you hold oh, it for okay, one second? I'm sorry. So one of the part of part of that idea, I think, comes from the fact that uh, when we look at what uh, By Night Studios did when they wrote their minds, the new Minds Theater, they attempted to move the Werewolf Revised into like modern times. They mm -hmm. just were trying to age it the the twelve years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and one of the choices that they made. The, their decision in how to address these problematic elements was to say that over the course of the last 15 years, werewolf society has figured most of that out and moved past it. And so when uh, the book came out, poof, you could play a male black fury. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of those, those problematic elements had been addressed. I am a player who looks at those elements and go, that's problematic. You have to fix it. But then, but the way to fix it isn't to just pretend like it never happened. You don't learn from it. Right. You know, I, I know that kind of sounds like, well, as, you know, game, a game writer, we should be teaching. But yes, we should. Well, in a roundabout way, it removed all of the conflict and interest. You know, like, I am more, much more interested in role-playing alongside a male Black Fury who is accepted but fighting to get his other brothers accepted. That's an interesting story to me. But, like, him being, it's fine. He's good. Everything's good. <laughs> You know, and that's not to say that I want to role play people being oppressed, uh, but, you know, a game like White Wolf, a, a system, a universe like the World of Darkness, um, there are elements that aren't pretty. And the trick, the trick is to be dark without being hopeless. Right. The trick is also to be dark, but not force people into oppressive cycles or encourage people to role play those oppressive elements one of the problems with the world of darkness has always been the glamorization of the people that are 
that are the bad guys and not just like the monstrous ones, but the actual bad guys in the setting, like the Camarilla are the bad guys. You should be playing the Anarchs from, if you're going from first edition sort of mentality, <laughs> right? that you should be playing the people trying to overthrow these horrible like elders. Yeah. One of the advantages that werewolf has over most of the other systems is that the werewolf bad guys typically are just, they are literally monsters. You know, right. Black Spiral Dancers are not, uh, they are intelligent, but they are not. Uh, they're know, still monstrous. They're, they're monsters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's a little, the black and white of, of good and evil is a little more clear than in most of the other World of Darkness genres. Yeah, except the tribes themselves are usually the ones that are horrible to each other and to themselves. <laughs> like, but, yes, there are literal monsters to fight, but also you've got all these horrible systems. But I, I really think that <sighs> when the original werewolf was written, I think, you know, that was all on purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, they were like, you know, but look how edgy it is. You know, <laughs> none of them work together. And, you know, and... For the time, it, it, it was good because well, it was like you were fighting not only your brothers and sisters, but the monsters outside. Well, they were they were trying to right. be mm -hmm. good. Like, you know, look, we've we've, you know, in we've um, involved Native Americans. Look, right. look, there's a whole tribe for women. Look, look, girl gamers, you right. have a whole tribe to yourself. But then in 10 years, what happened was mm -hmm. a girl shows up at your werewolf LARP and she's like, what should I play? And everyone goes, you would make a great Black Fury. Yeah. <laughs> it's They were trying to be progressive for the right. time. I think actually like they were really succeeding at being very progressive for the 90s. There are queer characters in some of the very first books yeah. for yes. Werewolf. And that was huge. And people, I think, forget that i i know i harp on this on world of the podcast but people forget <laughs> that we've come a long way since the 1990s yeah so I, I think because it was still played so because it is still played so regularly i think people forget how old <laughs> those editions are <Yep. laughs> i mean even even werewolf 20th anniversary is like what six seven years old now I mean, it's, it's yeah, not new either. Quick. <laughs> so Carrie, you have an idea then for how, so. I do. Okay. So I'm kind of radical with my plots. You both have heard enough of my plots to know like, whoa, well, okay, there you go. I think at one of these great conclaves or, or whatever, that's what they have, right? Mm -hmm. Conclation. Conclations. Yeah. Conclave is. Yeah. Is vampire. Vampire. Whoops. <laughs> well, maybe at that too. I don't know. Um, at one of these giant moots where all of the tribes are representative represented that all of the tribal totems show up and they go, we're done with you all figure, <laughs> you know, figure your shit out, peace out. And they all leave, leave them all tribeless for a short time. Maybe that's a second, maybe, maybe there's a, um, like, a mechanic for what tribe you used to be mm. and what tribe you're going to be. And maybe all the new tribes are still the same 13, but they're, you know, the totems of themselves have evolved. You know, maybe, maybe we take some of the problematic totems of the native American tribes and we change them to be something more appropriate. Mm -hmm. Peg maybe Pegasus comes out as a dude. <laughs> you know, it's like, quit misgendering me, you jerks. 
All right, so I'm going to be radical for a second. Woo, let's hear it. My thinking is everything else is the stuff that we keep the same, and tribes is the thing that we change. And here's here's mm-hmm. my... So first of all, I think if you keep the tribes, I think I'm with you all in that, like, the way you keep the tribes is to, to uh, make the role play conflict be that they are they are modernizing themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that. But what if instead of taking all of these and, and assigning them a culture, like the Fianna were assigned the Irish, the Irish uh, and the get were kind of supposed to be German, mm-hmm. uh, Germanic people, really not just Germans, but, uh, and those sort of things, silver fangs were, were the Russian, Russian Kings and stuff. So what if instead we removed all of that cultural appropriation and racism and stuff. And instead made the 13 tribes be 13 different breeds of wolves. So there would be a tribe of red wolves. You could call them whatever you want. Let's say red talents. No, we wouldn't call them. Well, red you would have to rename them all. But like, what if instead of assigning them each a uh, culture, you could assign them a, a, a feeling or a, you know, you could assign them a new culture that you make up um, with their own history, but you give them all. So instead of being a, from a tribe geographically, you're from a tribe literally of the tribe of wolves. Your lineage is, is about wolves, your wolf side. Mm-hmm. Mm. See, if they had done that from the beginning, I would have been on board with it. You think it's Where too I much think- now? I think it's too radically changed if we want to keep the same flavor. Yep. I think you lose a lot of the good parts of the cultural elements by doing that. Like I was talking to James Sombrano about what the, what younger brother, um, the W name tribe mm-hmm. and how like important it was for them, for him to be based in a culture where he was like, I am a Native American who is a little bit angry, not just probably not just a little bit, but actually frustrated with these systems around us. And that tribe represents a realistic situation for Native American peoples. I think divesting the tribes completely of their cultural purpose steals some of those opportunities for role playing away from people. Okay. People want to see themselves on TV. Yep. Representation matters. What if in the change, your tribe, you like, you know, the, all the all the tritum totems go erase, 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 go figure stuff out. And then when you regain a tribe, what if it's you get to choose what tribe you fit in? Here's my problem with that, because I love the idea. Mm-hmm. But here's my problem from a stereotype of uh, or a trope standpoint. It too easily lends itself to white saviorism where Evan heals the past is this white kid that joins the younger brother tribe. And is like, Hey, I'm still part of this tribe. Like I'm exemplar of this tribe, but I'm here to save you all from yourself. Like, right. That's my only concern with that idea because I think it's solid until you get to what about those situations? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about maybe just, cutting the number of tribes in half what if uh like what if we what if you were to combine like you know glass walkers and bonars could be one one tribe because then you have like a tribe of city 
city where weaver werewolves as opposed to a, a privileged weaver werewolf and an, a not privileged weaver werewolf. Like the worst thing about the Bonars is not only were you not good at being human, but you were usually looked down on and thought of as not being a good werewolf either. Like it was the worst. Um, you know, what if uh, younger and older brother kind of be, could be rolled into to one in some way? Uh, what if, uh, you know, children of Gaia and, and Fiana or something, I don't know, like, is there, is there a way to maybe with that help by, by making it not like, for example, Fiona is very clearly Ireland based werewolves. You know what I mean? Like all of the stereotypes, good and bad, all of the history and culture, good and bad. It's all very clearly just that one place. But what if instead you were to combine them with, uh, with maybe get a Fenris or another tri a European tribe so that it was a little more regional so that the, so that these stereotypes and these, uh, the cultural appropriations and things weren't so on the nose. Or, or Carrie could out, out shine me. <laughs> Sorry. No, do it. Bring it. What if those 13 totems all walked and it's 13 completely new tribes but if it was 13 new tribes then that brings us back to or, or, to what or, we're losing well no or but no but but here's the thing i used to be a silver fang falcon has abandoned me now i've got to you know decide where i can fit in and none of these you know or maybe it's only six tribes what you know however you want to you know and it doesn't have to be this is the native american tribe you know tribal totem that shows up that all the the two go to you know it doesn't have to be like that you know it can be you know six new totems that have no connection to any of the of the other tribes or maybe it's like a city parent shows up well that's you know pretty generic that doesn't have to be Glasswalker. the Glasswalkers may feel more comfortable going there the bonars may feel more comfortable going there but if you have any guru that are live in a city they might be like you know what i feel better in this tribe than i do with um you know parrot or whatever you know whatever to other totem shows up um now i want to follow parrot because they would all be pirates right. um you know, maybe we just let them have their past. Like, you know, yes, you were those things. She so actually role play pressing the reset button. Yes, because I think that if you just, and I mean, maybe you don't, maybe the role, the, that aspect is in the first chapter. Hey, this happened and you're role playing the consequences now. Um, you know, like you don't have to actually role play through that. But I think that acknowledging those things and not just going, ignore those other tribes <laughs> that happened long ago. It's, you know, like, that's not good. Like you, you want people if they want, you know, cause, cause then players can either revel in the newness or they can be secretly grumbling. I used to be a silver fang and I was on top, you know, or, or whatever, you know, and, and it gives them that angst if they want it, or they can play the, the shiny newness. That's what I would do anyway. I like it. Like I, I really, as like a plot idea, I like the idea of bringing the tribes down more and deciding where those lines are is the hard part. Yeah. And I think Carrie, I think your idea is good. It does give you some opportunities to say, I used to be a, a Fenrir and now I'm, you know, part of this big wolf 
tribe. Right. And, and Big Wolf, which sounds ridiculous, but I the, love the Big it. Bad Wolf is the uh, totem of like now this group of people that used to be three or four other tribes and maybe a few stragglers from other ones that are like, yeah, just like following this great wolf makes a lot of sense for us. It also lends itself into this idea that like, you know, for years, the role play was we are the final generation of wolves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, if your numbers are less, how are you? One of the things that always made me wonder was <laughs> if every werewolf that was going to die in the apocalypse is alive right now, how are we populating 13 freaking tribes? They're not. <laughs> that's a lot of werewolves. <laughs> the only tribe that's growing is the dancers. Right. So that was, so that was always kind of a weird thing. I feel like paring the number down really is, is smart. You know, mm -hmm. va vampire doesn't need 50 clans, you know, werewolf doesn't either. Um, and by doing that too, you know, it also takes away one of the other things that was, that was both a selling point as a storyteller. Cause it made helping new players really easy, but it was a downer as a player is, is that, you know, you could come to me and say, I want to play a werewolf. This is what his day job is. And this is, this is what he's like. And then I could very easily just go, okay, this is your tribe. This is your breed. And this is mm -hmm. your auspice. Like, mm -hmm. because everything you were so, you're so um, straight jacketed into, into these ideas. Yeah, the, the day job thing was a huge, was huge yeah. when I was running. And as a storyteller, I loved it because it meant that I could very quickly help a new player quickly get into play and, and make the decisions that they would have ended up making. Uh, as a player, I used to hate it because like, maybe I, don't want to play a stereotypical glass walker. You know what I mean? Maybe I want to be like a child of Gaia in the city, you know, and those yeah. options are, are restricted. And so by, by like doing a little bit of some mishmashery and pairing those numbers down, I also think that you would have a little more combinations and freedom to, to move things about from, from thing to thing. What I wouldn't want to do though, is have the spirits leave because they were angry it's almost like ripping the heart out of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so like I, the idea that I'm playing, I used to be a silver Fang and Falcon walked away from me requires me to have bitterness that maybe my character doesn't want. May like, maybe there could be some sort of like all the spirits agreed to do this, to teach a lesson. Like I could imagine coyote tricking everyone into agreeing to this. I think that it's not so much a giving up, but stepping away like a parent steps away from their kid. It's time for you to fly on your own. You've been using me as training wheels too long. Like, you can't tell me that Falcon is proud of the way the Silver Fangs have ended up. So does this... What I think would be interesting, and I think is even more radical, that I would propose here... Always radical. Do it! Is that Gaia tells all the totems, stop. Yeah! These totem, this tribal stuff is bad. They were supposed to be one unified group of warriors for me. And now you've got all this nonsense going on about what's different between you. You're all the same. Boof. There maybe. are no tribal totems. There are no well, tribal no, well, totems. Hold on. Or maybe, because I do think, I actually will stand by, I think it's important that there are, let's say the number is six, that mm. there are six spirit spiritual representation because i think it's very important for players to be able to go i need to talk to city father i need to talk to parrot well, or whatever sure, but but what if those six ones were little itty bitty spirits that gaia went 
The six of you are now taking over. So maybe even these six spirits are going, oh, crap, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, like- with Josh's idea, though, I like she I don't imagine Gaia saying no more tribal totems and then appointing new ones. Well, like, maybe then seems- she says the, the, the 13 of you have not done what I asked you to do. And, you know, I think I think what would be an interesting way of doing it is in, and it comes down to this question of what is werewolf about? Mm-hmm. Is is werewolf about the big saving the world story or is it about the localized saving the world stories? And if it's the local ones, you say, hey, there are no tribes anymore. There are no tribal totems. Now you've got to figure out what are the small spirits in your area that are important that you have to save those small ones and those become your totem. Now you're building up these smaller, like the sept becomes more important than these tribal sorts of affiliations and so forth. So it really boils down to, are we writing this book for tabletop? (laughs) Or are we writing this book for LARP? I mean... Well, I mean, we're writing it for tabletop. Okay, then if it's tabletop, we ditch all the totems? I'm I'm still not 100% on that, but okay. So I think... you know, I feel like you eliminate tribal totems completely. I like the idea of Gaia says this didn't go how we this did not go how we planned. And and so and so the totems say you want my help sometime, you're welcome to ask for it and maybe I'll help you, maybe I won't, but like this whole patronage thing is done. Uh it also helps because mechanically tribal totems were always the problem in mm-hmm. in games because do they give you uh totem bonuses or not depends on the book you read yeah uh and i also the other piece to this though is then it encourages them it gives them a reason to form packs because now a pack totem's important you don't have a spirit helping you for no reason at all unless you're in a pack and so I think that these uh, these tribes end up becoming more like social clubs. <laughs> you mean the six new ones? Yeah, the six new tribes become more like a social club. Well, but here's the deal: if there's not a if there's not a spirit over those, what's we the can't, point? We can't, yeah, there's no point in even having them. Well, I think unless it, they're literally just um, <sighs> labels. Yeah, a label. What do you do with tribal gifts? Because that's the element that we need to take into consideration is that the tribe you pick is what gives is one of your magic spells categories. <laughs> right. So um, that's kind of why I think maybe bundling them together is important. Uh, you can take away those totems, but uh, you know, you would, you join a, you join one of these new tribes because that is how you will, learn and have access to these to the gifts that you right one way to potentially do it is to say i have a spiritual affiliation i have a specific group of spirits that i am affiliated with not tribally but but saying i am a stag person oh wait 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 wait, wait. can i can i jump in because what you in revised right there were wisdom totems there were honor, there honor was, totems. Yeah. There were, and there was, uh, there was like seven or eight categories. Glory, there were totem, there was, totems yeah. of cunning, totem yes. of, totems of honor, totems of war. So what if 
you look at those six categories and you bundle the new tribes into those. So then they don't have one totem. They have a totem type. And it's not really a totem. They have a spiritual affinity with a t with a category of of spirits. Yeah, let's send that over to the Hunters Entertainment guys. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, oh thank goodness. you very much. <laughs> but that's no, but I like that a lot. And then that gives us that that gives us the best of both worlds. We we don't have totems, but we have a spiritual affinity. There's still totems that they can be connected to. And that enables us to also give each of these six or seven groups their own gifts, their own gifts. Yep. Okay. I like it. All and right. it, it allows you to still have some of those cultural backgrounds of, of the human cultural background stuff. You can say, yes, you come from that human cultural background. You are connected to this specific type of spirit that you find in tune with your personal and yeah. go with it. That's sweet. All right. All right. Let's go find us some kinfolk and make some baby machines. No. <laughs> no. So what do you do with, yeah. what do we do with kinfolk? So I think kinfolk is an interesting dilemma. So kinfolk are basically, they are people who are, are, uh, genetic, Relatives. genetically, linearly or whatever they have. They are part of a werewolf's blood family, but they are not, they did not get the the, the element that en enables them to actually change into a werewolf. So they typically are, they know about stuff uh, in the old system. They often were either servants or slaves, or they were, they were baby machines. Uh, they were not, it was not a kind <laughs> role to be filled. Um, and, and then they tried to fix some of that in the the bns met books where they they took those elements away but then they strangely added an element where they could be bit and turned into a wolf which then so, introduced a rape allegory because okay. you could do it with so they, they fixed one problem by creating this whole other problem and so i bring that up mostly just to say what do you do with kinfolk how do you keep them relevant and interesting and and necessary without like folk uh forcing them into a one of these problematic pigeonholes let me uh, let me talk about kinfolk from the real world analog that they're sort of supposed to be okay so if you view werewolf as an allegory of eco-terrorism which i think we can agree it sort of is an allegory for eco-terrorism it certain, certainly was in the 90s yep yep um, it doesn't necessarily have to be anymore, but it certainly was in the 90s. Mostly it's not today only because eco-terrorism isn't really a thing today. Like Greenpeace right. doesn't go out and blow up tankers anymore. Right. <laughs> I mean, not really. Um, not too often anyway. Yeah. <laughs> not that we hear um, of. <laughs> right. But in uh, terrorist groups, so I have a background in peace and conflict resolution, so this is sort of related to my academic work. You have groups of family members that support the revolutionary actions of terrorist cells and groups. They're the people that support and build and reinforce the ideas uh, that inspire people to act in specific terrorist ways. Um, it's something that people do 
in all cultural ways as well. So you have all this cultural baggage. And kinfolk in the world of darkness carry all the culture for the tribes. They carry the culture of the Fianna. They carry the culture of the Silver Fangs. Because they're they, not dying at 19 years old in battle to yeah. save Gaia. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In our new system, kinfolk fall out of that because they're no longer the carriers of culture. So mm. that is another potential problem that we have. Or an opportunity. Right. What, what becomes their new role? Do, do Carrie, we just, do we do we just make another tribe just for kinfolk? Like for real? Like an, an, one of the spiritual groups just goes, all right, I'll I, take them. Yeah, I'll take you. Yay, culture. <laughs> you know, like like maybe and that way you can that way all kinfolk can have gifts, some kind of a gift, and they're completely different. You know, they'll be smaller. As they should be, but like they'll, but it will be different. Guru cannot have them. It makes them special. They're not property anymore. And no, they're the property of that tribe. And those totems that come after you. you oh my gosh. Their tri- they their become, people. they suddenly become essentially werewolves who are unable to change forms. Yeah. Right. And that's like, maybe you don't give them an auspice. Right. Maybe they are only given uh, because Luna does the auspice gift. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is very Luna is the changing the changing light. You know, she so uh, so they would not. So but they could still get human gifts or lupus gifts if they and they could still get their tribal gifts. Um, that is super fascinating. Like instead of trying to realign what hole they fill, just empower them. Just make literally. a new hole. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of them being the bear, like the culture totem is the one that mm-hmm. empowers all of them. And then the kinfo get to say, we are no longer second class citizens of this society. We are equal members of this society. And I love the idea of them getting their whole group of gifts. It makes them a lot like the thin bloods with thin blood alchemy. Yes. 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 Yay! <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Why are we not on the development team, guys? <laughs> I'm getting teary. <laughs> all right, so so we've got all that. The um, let's move on a little bit then, because uh, we don't have time to get into like how, which tribes do we can oh, combine yes, with which do. or anything like that. I think that that we're you know this is big picture. What would we do? Yeah. Uh, but there are a couple of other things, though, that I think we would have to address. Um, one of them is pure breed. Right. Pure breed was es- we wouldn't have said it back then, but today pure breed is essentially uh, a background that you can purchase with experience points and it could be called privilege. <laughs> I mean, it is it is quite literally how well bred you are. Who were your folks? Were they famous and powerful and well known? All right, so how pretty are you? So my gut reaction is ditch pure breed altogether and just have ancestors. Yep. You, if you want to be able to be like my ancestor, so and so, you know, cross the water of the lake of the blah blah to get to the pirate. Um, pure breed, pure breed never really served a real purpose. It was like bragging rights. That was about it. 
Yeah, it's a it, fake wolf thing. There are lots of fake wolf things that are in Werewolf, but it was this idea like, oh, you you come from like a good group of wolves. Like you're like, a show dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dogs I mean, yeah. don't care about their own pure breed. No, they don't. Right. In but fact, they're usually more happy if we they sort don't of, have it. We sort of right. opposite, we sort of anti-anthropomorphized that idea of pure breed like we we took pure breed from dogs and we applied it to humans well, <laughs> and yeah. then it was just awful yeah um okay so that's no, but, easy enough. but i but i think i think we do keep ancestors mm -hmm. and i think we make sure that it is where you know you can tap into your heritage not in the sense of to be proud but to talk about your you know like you well, know, to talk to your ancestors. When my great grandpa, what you know, what did you do? You know, and and I think then the other compensation is you you add in like a a, a merit. You create a, a low cost merit that's something like you know famous grandfather or something. You know what I yeah, mean? So yeah. so you could still pay to be like, well, my great great grandfather. The silver fang. So, the people know. who were silver fangs can still be proud of that if they want to. Yeah, but it, yeah. but it's meaningless. Sheet, which is the V five version of that kind of thing that just says I have a really specific ancestor or a group of ancestors that are super important. Nice. Yeah. All right, well, then let's keep talking about these fake wolf things. Yeah, what else can what, I fix? What about might makes right? Because, you know, submitting to the submission and and who is strongest leads is a huge part of, of this. Mm -hmm. And it was thought when it was created that that because back when the, these books came out, there was all these studies that showed that were that wolves had a hierarchy. They had an alpha, a beta, they had an omega, they had all of these roles. And so, and that's part of this too, is the, the wolf hierarchy. That's another falsehood uh, that's in this. Um, I, I think fixing the wolf falsehood is probably easy. Because, yeah. Let's start with that. Cause so let's do that one first. I think you just say having an alpha and a beta and an omega and all of these different roles, it's never been wolf society it's always been werewolf society and you just say yeah. the scientist that's that discovered that was a kinfolk and was trying had misinterpreted and or thought, was trying to relate wolves to humans to better or, it or maybe it was pentex it could be and, anything you know, yeah. and they were like you know <laughs> let's leak some of this to the human population <laughs> so, because one thing that that you do still need is you do still need if this was vampire you need a prince you need a seneschal you need, you need a leader a, those sorts of things and frankly having an alpha having a beta like all of, like all of those things were Have, important and worked having a clear pecking order is important at least especially in a larp yeah here's my radical idea oh. <laughs> wolves are family units mm -hmm. you said you we are empowering kinfolk already mm -hmm. have the family unit be that structure where it doesn't matter who the alpha is the alpha could be a kinfolk in this new setting because they're the father figure and that becomes the new structure of the Garu nation. So you're suggesting that the alpha would be the dad, literally. Or the mother, but yeah. I Okay, so I understand what you're saying. I don't necessarily know that I understand how that works in large groups. Or if it's a LARP, what if I don't want to play a dad, but I do want to play the, the, the leader? Just a thought. It's yeah, it's a good thought. And it's the 
the hardest, I think this is like, it's the hardest thing to say from Wolf Society, this is what the structure looks like. Well, I, I think and we- mapping it on. Yeah I, yeah, I don't think we can use Wolf Society. I think we have to go wolves do com their own thing and werewolves are a completely other thing. And that this was just okay. a mistaken or misleading or funny- Oops. Oops, where, that... where information's crossed and that's what happened. But this whole I, this whole hierarchy is actually based in werewolf society, not in wolf society. But what do you do then? Um, I don't know. I almost love the idea that the alpha is always a kinfolk because they can't go into war. They carry they carry the knowledge and the culture and the history, and so that's why you make them in charge. <laughs> maybe maybe all of the. Um heads of the you know like your 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 um your pack alpha what if all of the tri council of elders yeah what if all of your your elders were kinfolk because they're going to be more level-headed they're not they don't have rage so they're not going to be affected by that to be able to make clearer decisions but then you're i love that it's great except then you're pigeonholing if you want to play a character in a leadership position you you have to be that one tribe well i mean there's got it unfortunately this is a game no i know and I know. there's gonna be some just, restrictions i'm just you know? saying though i keep yeah. thinking about this idea that like I, I keep thinking about larpers who sometimes play characters beyond their abilities or the opposite um and you know I, I just, okay, I see well, problems. interesting thought though because i think you're both on the right track in We're, that um you have to have leadership opportunities for everyone there are real human cultural things where elder doesn't necessarily mean you're always like the oldest person you're just the most respected person in right. that role so you could easily say like you are the the most respected like war uh or like combat general and so you are in charge of all of the outside like combat stuff. You are the alpha of that particular group of warriors. So maybe we just make it so that whoever is the alpha, quote unquote, the the leader or leaders, depending on what roles are being filled, can be a kinfolk. Yeah. You know, I mean, I certainly saying, agree with that. Yeah, definitely that. You know, maybe it's not always a kinfolk. Maybe we say usually is a kinfolk yeah. like, to encourage I, that. I've but never, I've never liked the idea that like, for example, your master of the rights has to be a theurge. Right. Cause, cause I knew many philodoxes who had way more rights. Banyan. <laughs> you oh. know? And so like, I, I don't like the idea of pigeonholing of, of straight jacketing, uh, any of these things into a specific role. Okay. Um, but, but having said that, I do like the idea of saying that like this new tribe of kinfolk can be, can just as easily be any of those things. Mm -hmm. Like I could even s go so far as to say like it, it is rare for a kinfolk to be the war leader because they don't get to go out and it takes a very special kind of kinfolk <laughs> with a very special Liam Neeson set of skills. Uh -huh. Right. So like you could certainly, I think there's nothing wrong with, with describing atypical, you know, situations, but um, yeah, I don't like the idea of, of, of saying no, I guess. Okay. But, um, but that said though, what do we do about might makes right then? Because I the fix. I actually think we keep it. 
I know that sounds antithetical to a lot of what I agree with. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad but, that you have you said that because I actually that is one of my. Uh, I, I hate that I I hate that even saying this is is frowny upon, but the might makes right thing is one of the things that I like most about werewolf and, and I'll be the Carrie will back me up on this. I rarely, I usually play subservient characters. So, I mean, there was, there was one, they're always sneaky, but but, yeah, but yeah, like, so it's not because I always want to be the power gamer who rolls in and is the alpha at every game I play in or whatever, because that is, that is not me. Um, I had one character, but outside of that, that's not how I, I play, but um, I, I have always really liked the might make right because it feels like in a culture that is so centered around anger and rage and, uh, you know, you don't outthink Pentex, you don't outthink Black Spiral Dancers, you roll them. <laughs> and so in a society where the solution is always kill it, then the, then the solution should be, you know, put it down even if it's more metaphorically uh, yep. and, and that's not a social justice pleasantry, but I think it gives an opportunity for you to play against that as well. Like it is okay to have structures in the game that you're like, this is a bad structure. This is a harmful structure. This is a structure. I think you can include in the game, have be important to the story and then say, and you get to fight against it. What if part of the reason that Gaia has called away all of the older totems is because she, you know, she's going, this might makes right crap. You killed a bunch of my other children over this shit. Oh, so it's like a war of rage. Gaia's, oh. Gaia's petty. Yeah, I get it. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> but Nick, she is petty. She First of all, yes. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm saying, like, that could also be what they're struggling with. You know, let's acknowledge the might makes right issue in the book. You know, these new tribes of the six tribes are like, you know, the, the totem of the, the war is going to go, uh, no, right makes might makes right. We're sticking with this. But some of the other ones might be like, dude, chill out. Like this is one of the, one of the list of things that Gaia secretly decided werewolves failed with. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to, Gaia's not going to say might doesn't make right. Guy is going to say, all of you tribal totems, we need to go away because uh, they are using your might to make right. And all of these other lists mm -hmm. of things. And so werewolves, the werewolf society, Guru are... They're left alone to have to learn this on their own. They're figuring it out on their own. Mm -hmm. That brings us to that thing we talked about earlier about how the, the fun experience, the good role play, and the great story lies in solving and overcoming these social conflicts and not mm -hmm. having them magically fixed Oof. in a new edition. Mm -hmm. That's nice. <laughs> All right, let's go out there and write this book, everybody. <laughs> okay. So we have a, we have a couple of other problems. I don't know that we really need to to get into a whole oh, lot. Oh, we're just but, solving everything. But Bring I know it. one of uh one of the things that we had talked about. We did a tiny bit of of prep, but we didn't prep any of our solutions no no just uh, we looked and saw problems but you know one of the things that we would definitely do is we would make sure that there was a a good mechanic for tracking things like worm taint yes because worm taint was always it was never a clear mechanic no and the couple of times where there were clear mechanics for it they were either 
so complicated that they were impossible to to really do or they were too vague to enforce. You know, say, now you have worm taint. What does that mean? Right. Yeah, um, it has to be a tracked metric of some form. Yes. Like, yeah. you could potentially do this with rage dice as well, where as you get rage dice, some of those could even become worm taint <gasps> dice. Oh, if they botch? Ooh. You know, I love the idea. I love the idea of... See, now I'm rethinking maybe rage goes back to just being PowerPoints and maybe the whole whole blood hunger pool becomes worm pool, worm taint pools. Because it's not mm. just being around wormy things. It's thinking wormy things. It's letting your rage take over you. The- wow. Mm. Well, that could be a whole maybe. other episode. Goodness. Yeah. Yep. That, that's <laughs> some play testing. But something to think about, though. Yeah. Yep. That could um, be fun. Fetish, fetishes and talent creation. You just need some clear parameters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, BNS solved that by basically doing away with all spirits. They just came up, they made all spirits generic spirit and kind of did away with all the flavor text. And that sort of, that took heart away, but also made fetish and talent creation uh, equal across the board. And it worked, right? It was, it became a balanced mechanical system, but it, it was at the cost of something else. Um, so, but yeah, you just need to create a system for it. Just I think gotta have a good what system. Our, our solution is, is create yeah. a system. Um, poof, done. Next, yeah. Moots, moots, renown, rank, and experience points. So, one of the big, big mechanical genrical issues genre-cal. with Werewolf <laughs> was that you had four metrics competing with one another. Some of them were in character and some of them were out of character, and they were all competing with one another to control how your character leveled up and advanced uh and it was it never worked uh you know you had moots were were tied into the the rights system and those dice rolls you had renown which was tied into depending upon the system sometimes it was it was tied into dice rolls sometimes it was tied into to dice rolls and role play sometimes it was just role play um and then you have rank, which could be at the start as simple as just buying the background on your sheet, but later on required you to Super earn renown, play. earn renown through through moots, and then spend experience points for it. <laughs> so and you had to role play because you had to go through the challenge, right? And so anyway, uh, this this uh, mechanical competition between moots, renown, rank, and experience points has to be resolved in some way. Um, I kind of think the way it's resolved is you just do away with at least two of them. <laughs> well, I think you can easily combine moots and renown together. And I, I think I think renown is just given through what the spirits see, not through galliards and all the, you know, like. The, the, the biggest problem I always had as a storyteller is is I would have players come up to me and go, but I did this thing. And I go, yes, and no one sang the song. You know, nobody did this. And especially like first edition Werewolf. It was even worse. was worse because it, like everything had to go through like five different players before it got to the spirits. I actually had to stop a verbal fight, like a screaming match between some of my players when they were trying to figure out Renown. And I finally said, I'm doing it from now on. So... I hate renown. Like if it, for me, renown would be the thing that went away. 
Um, I, I have always kind of felt like I feel a little bit the same way about status and vampire as well. Um, but like in werewolf, my problem with renown is that, uh, it, from a genre standpoint, it sounds great. It's the, you know, if you're a killing machine, you want trophies, it's your trophy. I killed this thing. I get the trophy, but the problem is it's not just for killing stuff. It's for being smart. Well, smarts is subjective. It's for being honorable. Well, that's hard to do when you're trying to trick things to die, right? So, like, um, renown it always felt like this thing that really overcomplicated matters. And I feel like it's important that werewolves, um, you know, have some... I don't, And I don't even know that rank needs to stay. I, I see... I think rank needs to stay, but I think it's really easy to build into the experience point system. I think you just say, hey, when you're this experience level, you're a Cleath. When you cross over, you become a Fostern. Just apply you a number an to Athro, it. Athro, an Adrin, whatever. You just, as you gain experience, you go up the rank ladder. Maybe you could tie it to like the number of gifts you have. That would work too. All right, mechanically that sounds great. Role play that sounds boring. I I loved having rank challenges and giving rank challenges because well, it was this chance. No, because it was this chance of to to show off. I don't know that you have to do away with the challenge. Yeah, you if, can keep those. So I'm I'm kind of leaning towards what Josh is saying now. If you took renown completely out, so basically it was just a matter of once you have gotten three gifts. In each of your paradigms, you get, you know, your, when you buy your, your, when you get your third gift in a rune, third gift in your tribe and third gift okay. in breed. At that point, you have six gifts total across the board. And at that point, that makes you a foster. You know, I don't know what those okay, numbers yeah, could what, really be. Yeah. And so once you have that, that is your qualification. Instead of needing X amount of renown, you need X amount of gifts, let's say, on your okay. sheet. And so then at that point, you can do the role play of challenging rank and maybe maybe and and then that guess what that also enables us that enables us to do away with renown and moots maybe maybe a moot is maybe a moot is nothing more than uh when you come back and tell the story of your challenge and everyone celebrates see i think moots have a really important role-playing and cultural point of view. Like, I think they're actually essential to Geru culture. So you've got to keep them important in some way if you want them to be part of that culture that's really important. But it doesn't, it doesn't maybe, have to be mechanically. Could it, could it be maybe, you necessarily, can't, maybe you can't but, go up in, in rank until the story is told so at you, a moot. So you have to go do yeah. it and then come back and, and have a moot in which you tell the story of well, hold, hold the challenge on. you did. So, but, but let's, let's backtrack. Cause maybe I didn't catch this. Where do you get the challenge from? A master of the challenge or somebody. Okay. Of the, you could still challenge somebody of the rank higher. Okay. Or okay. I just, I, we didn't clarify that. So yeah, I, don't, I, wanted to... I don't think we have to change that. Okay. Um, but what that does is that enables you. So moots no longer become mechanical. It's more of just, it's a role play step that you are required to do. And they can still have moots like, hey, we've got this big thing to discuss. Right. You know, we're going to war or so, we're going to celebrate something that isn't just a rank challenge. Yeah. We get, you know, you can still use it for for role play or even because 
we're going to have could be anytime you celebrate something we're going to have sit or, or punish someone or right. any of those things could still happen just in my mind like moots are one of those things where they are super important to the culture and super uh unsuccessful as a role play element in most instances when they're good they're the best role play element yeah. ever i mean like the, when I think it, when I go through in my head, like what are the best LARP experiences you've ever had? They're all moots. Uh, when I go through my mind and I think what are the worst role play moments I've ever had? They're, they're all moots. <laughs> but the thing is, though, the moot, I don't know that it's the moot's fault. And I know that sounds weird. No, it's because players it, are not necessarily the, for example, they're not the song singers that their characters yes, are. Yes. Is some of it. But, but I'm saying, you know, like, so I don't think removing it is a good idea. Because it's not, you know. But if we repurpose it to yes. just be the celebration of going up in rank or the cele- be a ce- the celebration we of can, something. We can even keep most of the things that are in, you know, like in the description of a moot now. But if we take the mechanical, like, well, we have to keep track of the renown. No. You just come out. You get to do a little performance to summon, summon the winds, summon the wind spirits, go over the, remind everybody about the, the litany. Uh you know, maybe if you still want to do like a cracking of the bone where people air their grievances and then you celebrate the person going up in rank and it's done. And I, then you party. I, well, no, actually what I think is we, we keep, we go, these are the eight pieces of the moot you can choose from. Yeah. Maybe. Cause you know what? Some people really like cracking of the bone. should be a ritual that's changeable because yes. human rituals are changeable. And this type of ritual should be something that is different every time you do Super it. Super so, organic. Almost becomes yeah. a moot. So what you're saying is the moot ends up basically becoming uh, the official sept meeting. Yeah. Yes. If you're going to call an official sept meeting, it's a moot. Yep. Okay. I'm okay with that. That's awesome. All right, well, then the last, the only other thing that's on this list is changing breeds. I think we eventually write a book for them down the road, (laughs) and we don't worry about them until we write that book. I I agree. The truth here is that the answer to changing breeds is don't try to jam them into your core book. Make a solid werewolf game and deal with them later. Yep. I just like to imagine all of all of those changing breed totems going, oh shit. <laughs> Gaia just booted everyone. Behave. Behave everyone. Are we next? That could be an interesting story. Them all panicking because they're next. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe that is a like a push for them to be like, how do we reconcile with the Garu now that this has happened? Because right. We've got to because Gaia's gonna do the same thing to us. All, right. All the werebears are like, see, told you. all right so last question this is going to sound like a big question but i'm going to narrow it down so but what do you do with the meta plot then and by meta plot really what i mean more than anything is the pending apocalypse because the game is called the apocalypse and one of the biggest hindrances that it had in its original versions was that there was always this ticking clock And so it was a good thing because it always made your games feel like there was a ticking clock, right? It always made the LARP feel like there was some sort of ticking clock. But the bad side of it was it was basically a declaration that it was called werewolf. Your characters will all lose. And that was was tough. 
And it was also tough because it meant that, you know, there was this whole thing about how, you know, you're in the final generation. You're in the final days. It could happen anytime. And eventually after the game line was out for 10 years, they realized, well, it's got to be now or never because it's time, you know. And so you lock the system into an ending. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's not, you know, that's not good business. So, so what do you it's do with story? It's good story. It's, it's not, not good business. business. So what do you do with, what do you guys think we do with the, with the apocalypse meta plot? Well, Gehenna is cyclical and, and in the V5 meta plot. So if Gehenna and the end of the world for vampires is something that's a cycle that keeps on coming and going and returning, why not? Apocalypses but, of any sort can be cyclical. But even like for Changeling, it's the same way. You know, mm -hmm. White Wolf, or I'm sorry, uh, World of Darkness is cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. This isn't the first apocalypse. Like, I like to think of like the Buffy universe. How many apocalypse, and they were all the apocalypse. This is the <laughs> end of the world if we don't stop it. Right. Now this yep. is the next so maybe, end of the world. Maybe you embrace the idea that you are always fighting that next thing that could end the world. Mm-hmm. As opposed to tying in prophecy saying it's about to end. So it sounds like the main element that you do is you take out, first of all, you take out, um, what is the prophecy, the big prophecy called? Prophecy of the Phoenix? No, yeah. you don't have to remove the prophecy well, of the Phoenix. They, to, they fixed it and now there's a new one. Right. They found new prophecies. There you go. But somehow you just instill this idea that like there is always someone or something about to make the world end mm -hmm. and you are the warriors of the world to, to stop it. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Problem solved there. All right. All right. Who do we send this to? Hey hunters. Uh, you can reach us at hosts at honorablepodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> hey Josh, thank you so much for entertaining us with, with this little uh, exercise, I guess. I don't know. Um, I have fun talking about werewolf all the time. So I'm more than happy to, you know, dive into this and talk more about it. Is Yay. is it your favorite? Of, it is your favorite of the White Wolf games, right? It is absolutely my favorite. People wouldn't believe that listening to Werewolf the podcast. <laughs> I absolutely love werewolf. And I think it's uh, I think it's a wonderful game. So was it your first? Uh, was it your first of the White Wolf games? No, vampire was. I played a vampire LARP. That was what got me into it. Interesting. Um, but it wasn't long after before I was playing Werewolf Tabletop. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Where can folks find Werewolf the Podcast? If you're looking for Werewolf Podcast, you can just go on Twitter, Podcast Werewolf, or Facebook at Werewolf the Podcast, or uh, find us on all your podcast mediums at Werewolf the Podcast. And you can also look me up at highlevelgames.ca. Yes, it's a Canadian company. I'm sorry. Uh, and you can find all the amazing products that we are creating, including Snowhaven, which is now out for sale. Yay. Wonderful. There's, there's Werewolf also, Werewolf the podcast also has a Patreon. We do. Uh, yes. If you go to patreon.com backslash Werewolf the podcast, you can find our Patreon. And then you can come talk with me on the Discord. Yeah. Yes. Yay. All right. Thank you so much, Josh. We really appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a ton of fun. All Bye, right. Josh. All right, let's go to game wrap. Welcome to game wrap. Told you that show was long. <laughs> it's weird how I knew that. Yeah, I know. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs> You can find us on 
uh, patreon.com slash honorable podcast. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you listen to your junk. You can, uh, don't listen to your junk. Yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Certainly don't listen to your junk on, on in public. That's <laughs> awkward. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at honorable podcast. Of course, we're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash honorable podcast or facebook.com slash groups slash honorable podcast. You can visit our website, honorable and you can send us an email at hosts at honorablepodcast.com. Uh, anyway, Carrie, congratulations. You're yes. going to get one experience point for Yay. attendance today. Yay. Let's uh, roll on the magic item chart for you. Alright. Oh, very good. 12. Ooh. It sounds like a low number, but 12 is good. 12 right. is good. Let me All find right. it here on the chart. Here, Yes, you get a happy graduation senior 2020 sign to put in your front yard. Oh, that'll be helpful. Plus one against underclassmen okay yeah all right I'll, I'll 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 make it work it's good stuff it's good stuff all right well anyway uh hopefully we'll have jason back next week uh anyway hopefully we'll have jason next week <laughs> we'll see we'll see i don't know ah. uh, but join us next week when our topic is can we please put even numbered pages on the right side of books until next time, I'm Ryan oh the curmudgeon, Carrie's the legend, and Jason is, uh, when he's here, he's the favorite. Uh, until then, anyway, remember that the only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again, tabletop, lot motion, everything in between.